Hey, it's Steven. In case you missed the news, we've brought in the Art of CX podcast team with host Nick Wood to bring you Customer Corner, our new series of unplugged conversations on the challenges and transformations going on in the corner offices of the world from the folks sitting at the desk. To help you get a feel for the great conversations they'll be bringing to the show, we're rebroadcasting the first season of The Art of CX, which, admittedly, wasn't all customer-focused, right here on our channel. It's exciting stuff, and if you enjoy this conversation, be sure to subscribe so you can receive notifications as new episodes of the Customer Corner series are released. Here's episode three, Selling the Painkiller. Hope you enjoy. Welcome to The Art of CX, the podcast that brings you colorful insights into how businesses are painting their very own picture of customer experience, presented by SAP. My name is Nick Wood, and hosting this episode together with me is Roland Makowski, business development expert at SAP. Welcome, Roland. Hey, Nick. Thanks for having me in your podcast. Well, thanks, uh, thanks for agreeing to jump on board and uh, and help me with uh, this one. But Roland, please tell us a bit about yourself. What's your role within SAP? Sure. Well, uh, I'm based in the lovely city of Hamburg, Germany, and uh, I'm supporting our market unit customer experience in Germany and MEE. And it's almost about demand generation supporting sales. And prior to that, I spent around 100 quarters in sales as well holding various positions in software companies as managing director and sales director almost in the Dach region. And since 2017, I'm around at uh, SAP. Excellent. And that uh, sales expertise is, is exactly one of the reasons why we asked you to join us uh, for this episode, because we'll be talking to Samantha Chris, best-selling author, international speaker, success coach, change management professional. As a success coach, she helps companies and people get from where they are to where they want to be. As an international keynote speaker, she seeks to inspire her audience, encouraging them to take action. And as a change management professional, she creates exceptional experiences for businesses and the people who run them. That's only a high-level glimpse at Samantha's profile, because I do believe it's better if she shares the details herself. Samantha, welcome to The Art of CX. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you very much for coming on our show. Now, I, I gave the headlines there in the introduction, um, but yeah, is there's much more to it than that. That's why, please, tell us a bit more about yourself and your work. Isn't there always? I feel like we are just such, there's such layers to all of us. And as my years of experience kind of add up, so do the names that I add to my title. But you happen to cover many of them, which I definitely resonate with lately. The bulk of my work has been around change management and helping companies, in particular leaders, navigate this period that we're going through and really doubling down on communication and making sure that they're effectively communicating both with their employees and their customers to ensure that they're giving a holistic, positive experience. That's great. And that's exactly what we'll be talking about. But I don't want to miss uh, mentioning all, all the other things uh, you've been doing as well. There's TEDx talks, there's uh, a best-selling book you've published called Bossing Up, and um, you've also been involved in, in other podcasts. Can you, can you tell us a bit more about those things? Absolutely. So 
really focusing on creating opportunities for success is something that I'm really passionate about. It is what the book is about. Bossing Up is about elevating your potential, stepping into that next version of yourself and creating opportunities, not only for yourself to succeed, but for others to succeed as well. It closely follows my journey in the corporate world, follows me into kind of dabbling into entrepreneurship. And the TEDx talk is really an extension of the book as it highlights on my proprietary way of goal setting, which is called the real goal methodology, which encourages people to anchor their goals to their why. It really puts emotion and purpose at the core of their goals, which is something that as I was setting goals early in my career, and as well as uh, as I started my own business, that I realized if I was going to stay accountable, if I was going to get excited about it and put in the work on the days where I really genuinely didn't feel like it, there needed to be a reason. There needed to be something bigger than me that I was working towards. And so that's ultimately what I work with leaders to achieve, to set goals that matter and to navigate through the unknown as a lot of those goals do encourage us to dabble in uncharted territory. And my podcast, The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, is about just that as well. It's about navigating change and telling stories, both of trial and triumph, to seeing what works and how we can lean into the unknown a little more easily. Great. So there's a lot more to dive in and we won't be able to cover everything in this podcast, but to our listeners, um, just follow the show notes. There'll be plenty of links to, to everything we've mentioned there, including uh, Samantha's LinkedIn profile, where there are also some very interesting articles. Um, now, you mentioned it already. Since the start of the COVID-19 crisis, you've mainly been working with sales organizations looking to pivot their approach um, and sell from a place of service. What does that mean? It's really about fundamentally relooking at how they're bringing their products or services to market and understanding if it is still relevant to the current needs of the marketplace. Does it actually alleviate a pain point that they're feeling? And if so, how do we communicate it in a way that doesn't feel insensitive? Because there was this feeling, particularly at the beginning, when we were really nervous, you know, about actually, you know what, let's take it a step back. We weren't even fully sure how this would impact business. And at the time, people were kind of going with sales the way they always had not really fully recognizing that the landscape was about to change. And what they quickly realized is that yesterday's sales strategy did not necessarily translate into the modern day consumer. And as the landscape has continued to change, we've recognized the need for communication to evolve, for best practices, for our outreach to evolve, and ultimately some of our sales goals to evolve as well, so that we're not just pushing um, what worked yesterday, we're not just trying to push the same product or service in a way that resonated with a group of people or with an audience that were pre-pandemic consumers. They have changed. Their priorities have changed. And so we too, as salespeople, must evolve to meet their current needs. Roland, is that something you've experienced now as well during this uh, pandemic? Sure. So uh, the teams I am working with actually at first, well, uh, the crisis hit us as well. So a lot of people well, of our sales team, uh, they now need to work from home. 
which is a change, a major change, and not everybody is having, let's say, um, the fortune having an own uh, um, office room at home and having a lot of kids. And uh, in Germany, uh, where uh, where I live, uh, yeah, it could be that your kids are uh, at home. Probably this is uh, true for the rest of the world at home. So at first of all, um, we had to take care of ourselves. The good news is that from a technical point of view, everything was uh, set up because we work from everywhere. So this was not a challenge, but we faced that this was a challenge for our customers. Yeah, first of all, they everybody went home working from home and um, not everybody got a uh, home office and working with let's say the, the uh, proper ter- technical environment yeah so this was the first phase of the crisis uh, and then we discussed okay how can we reconnect and and how is it going to be appropriate to be to reconnect yeah but now we are over that phase that's true and well, what what did that mean for the businesses you worked with now in this time, Samantha? Just maybe you can talk us a bit through the process of of what you've been what you've been doing, and then uh, Roland can just tick the boxes if that's what it looked like with an SAP. <laughs> sure, I think one of the main realizations was that we need to empathize with our customers. We need to be really mindful that they are going through personal changes, that emotions are high and that their response to some of the sales outreach may not be entirely driven or even related at all to us as sales professionals, but that it comes with a lot of behind the scenes that we don't know that we need to be mindful of. And as we are continuing to kind of, you know, keep business as usual running, we need to keep the lights on. We need to keep selling. The economy surely needs our help. We need to be mindful that if we are going to be reaching out, that we are going to have a better chance of success if we first connect as people. If we are going with the sole intention to close the sale, we are doing ourselves a disservice because we're only looking at a piece of the puzzle. So we need to kind of zoom out a little bit. And what I've seen with companies that are doing this well is they're taking the opportunity to really connect with their consumers, ask how they're doing, ask what their needs are, both as a professional, but also as an organization and see how can we position our product or service in a way that will serve your needs today. And what is really challenging is being comfortable with adjusting the sales method and adjusting our approach and honestly our expectations if the sale is not what they need right now. One of the analogies I really like to use is that of the painkiller. And right now what I'm seeing is most effective is companies that are positioning a product or service as the thing that will immediately alleviate a pain point of their customer, of their audience. And historically, we would feel comfortable bringing vitamins to market. I say historically, I mean, pre-COVID, we were bringing products or services that were nice to have that were not necessarily priorities. And so for this current landscape, what I find is really resonating best is to position the product or service as the solution to the pain point they are feeling now. But you can't lead that conversation without first understanding what their pain points are, circling back to the importance of empathy and really 
building trust and putting communication at the forefront of the, the client experience right now is what's ultimately going to bridge the gap to help you position your product or service as the thing that they need to move the needle. Roland, where, where do you see SAP following what um, Samantha just described there? Yeah, indeed. Uh, so uh, as I said before, at first, uh, in the first, let's say, part of the crisis, we took care of, let's say, okay, customers are at home, and how can we reconnect? And is it now appropriate to, let's say, focus on next business steps? So we said, no, that's probably uh, too early. It's, it, it's really not empathic. Uh, and therefore, uh, luckily enough, our mothership SAP provided really within a couple of days uh, software, free parts of software and licenses saying, okay, um, if this is your current concern and, 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 and challenge during the, this phase of the crisis, uh, why don't you try this? And so we watched very carefully and had some trainings and educations about that, okay, these are specific solutions, software solutions our customers can use for free uh, just to reconnect and be mindful and be uh, empathic. And um, so, yes, we, we really uh, tried to, to hit that button and we have not been talking about, okay, when are we going to close the deal? in the very early phase of the, the crisis. And then what we also realized, uh, there was a point in time that uh, people fixed, let's say, uh, the environment, the technical one, and then get back to work. And then sometimes we got the feeling they are happy to talk about business and not anymore about the crisis. Because everywhere you heard about this in the news, uh, online, in the radio, and TV, uh, and 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 then uh, we got the impression, okay, it's now getting more appropriate. But as Sam said, I just can underline uh, that the tone changed a little bit. And interesting enough, SAP is offering mindfulness trainings for our well for us as employees and i did to be honest last year i did some uh, and uh, preparing this podcast i thought well it's interesting that mindfulness is now becoming an aspect of selling so what we would say um soft skills yeah so-called soft skills are now becoming the hard skills the skills you need in sales and not being anymore the tough seller, uh, closing it down and not really listening, selling a product and not uh, providing a solution. So that's uh, one of uh, the learnings, I think. And of course, mindfulness is something we, well, I'd like to say regularly uh, <laughs> talk about uh, on this podcast. So that's, that's very interesting that um, you've been using that approach uh, yourself. I mean, it, it's got a lot to do with with how we communicate. Um, I, I guess is is that right, Samantha? I couldn't agree more. And this is where I really see SAP as a front runner. It's about understanding what your community, and I refer to community both as your employees and your customers, will need next. And there's 
a great deal of foresight in recognizing that in order for this level of personalized customer experience to be sustained, there needs to be tools available to make sure that our, not only just our sales team, but our entire organization is equipped to remain empathetic, to to keep communication at the forefront of their mind, to recognize that connection really is the foundation for everything. And I absolutely agree that these soft skills are becoming ever more important. And what's really important from a customer experience perspective is during this time of crisis, during this time of change, the customers that have stayed on board, that have decided that they wanted to continue to do business, they have now got a new benchmark for what the customer experience has become. They have felt, hopefully, really catered to. They have felt an extremely personalized experience with perhaps their sales representatives reaching out to them, asking how they're doing. And so this now becomes the new standard. And if we're going to sustain that standard, we need to have new tools. We need to have new goals to make sure that we pull that experience through into the next evolution of the sales cycle. And and how do you think um, that could look specifically? Samantha or or, or Roland, what's Uh, what's your vision on on changing these tools? Well, my vision is that, well, at the end, you know, I was working in sales, as I said, for 25 years. It's still at the end, you got to deliver your number. Uh, and, And this will not go away after the crisis. This is sure, because companies are still owned by owners, are still owned by shareholders, and we still have quarters. Um, it's about, I think, how we achieve these goals. Uh, and uh, I am convinced that, uh, as said before, the way uh, we, ach- we are going to achieve our goals, they will change. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the entire world needs to go back to business. Um, and uh, yeah, so soft skills are becoming hard skills. Uh, but still, it's going. They are going to be goal oriented. So, at the end of the day, if you are really, if you listened to your customers, if you took their concerns uh, really seriously, and they get the feeling, okay, this guy is listening, and at the end, people are buying from people. Yeah, then uh, it's for sure. You can ask your closing questions. Okay. We all understand this is your challenge. This is a solution we can provide. We are going to provide to you. These are the costs at the end. What needs to be done to get it closed? So I believe this would not be seen as a threat or unpolite to ask the closing question. Okay, what needs to be done to get the signature? I think um, if you do it in the right way, then it's uh, seen as still, okay, that's normal. Yeah, let's do that because I understand it needs to be done to transform and to move forward. That kind of sounds exactly um, like noted here in big bold letters and, and marked in uh, in yellow. Engage and understand and then deliver when the time is right. Can you Can you iterate a bit on that process? Absolutely. What I think is ever more important is knowing, keeping a pulse on the market, understanding what they need, when they need it, when is the right time to move in with the sale. But, you know, I agree with Roland that 
the process itself won't drastically change, that we still have quotas, that the targets are still going to be there and ultimately they need to be hit. What is going to, I think, perhaps be at the forefront of people's mind is how do I further engage my customers so that they know I'm in it with them for the long run, that they know I want them to be the hero of their story. I'm not just looking in it to get a signature. I'm in it to make sure that they look good for their team, that they have the tools they need, that they have the support they need to ultimately move the needle in their organization. And when they feel that you have their best interest in mind, which is not a new sales practice, but I think is one that is going to be ever more important, is putting their priorities making that part of the conversation, making sure that they feel this is not only a good move for them, but for their team, for their organization, that it directly rolls up into their company goals so that they can be recognized or at least have played a part in moving the ball forward for their company. And it starts with engaging them early. It starts with knowing what their goals are, how you can help. Going back to pain points is how can your product or service alleviate the pain point that they're feeling today, but then think bigger picture and see how is that moving the needle and alleviating the pain points of the organization. So staying in the loop, understanding what their problems are, communicating, getting them to explicitly share with you what it is that they're struggling with, where they can use help. This doesn't come up in in a standard sales exchange. This comes upon a conversation of peers who are communicating, who really are trying to get to know how how they can work together to move the ball forward. (laughs) It's interesting. It actually sounds as if it's just about a more, more human, more friendly way of of dealing with each other than this. Well, I, I've not been in it. Uh, maybe Orland, you can you can tell us the truth about it. But the vision of sales is always a very, very tough business. And as you said, focusing on on the numbers. But if we go with what Samantha's saying, it's just let's let's have the conversation and be absolutely honest and and and, and open. Is is that how we could interpret it? Yes, well, indeed. Uh, in my experience, you know, you you will find a lot of different kind of uh, type of salespeople. You've got the the one, uh, let's say, uh, being uh, let's say talking, 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 and, and the kind of uh, arcing design, or you've got the guys uh, more listening. And maybe uh, the days uh, for the guys of talking, talking, not listening, are over. Uh, and the more uh, listening guys, understanding, providing a, a solution provider, uh, this is now more the type of salespeople uh, we are looking for. But it, to be honest with you, if you are not used to that, of being able to listen, being able to communicate, and uh, sometimes to stay tuned, and then providing a proper uh, solution for the challenge. Uh, this is a challenge for each individual sales, but as an, as an organization, you can for sure as a sales leader, you can look at this at your team uh, who might need some support uh, in changing sales behavior uh, by providing education. And that's a job of a, the, the sales manager and the, the sales uh, organization. So yes, it, it, it's changed. It's a challenge for each individual if we are not used to that. That's true. But again, numbers will stay and we need to hit the numbers. Um, and, you know, the discussion we actually have is about the current situation. How do we survive? 
uh, and how, let's say, can we fix uh, or can we uh, provide answers to current solutions? The real interesting question is coming in the future. I believe that if you go higher up the levels, up to the sea level, the real question is going to be, how do we increase the resilience of the company? Now we talk about, let's say, the people as we as humans, and, and we need to take care in the crisis of us, increase the resilience, like with mindfulness, in example, but also then let's go a step higher, a level higher and talk about the company. And, and now it kicks in the, the real change. Do we need to change the DNA of the company? For sure, in almost all cases, it's probably becoming more digital, which is a sweet spot of SAP. So we have huge chances here and opportunities. And, and this is what I, what I will look for in the discussions moving forward. Okay, what are the big game changers? What needs to be done within your uh, company, dear CEO? Uh, and how can we help? That's uh, the discussion I'm looking for in the way, as Sam described, listening, empathic, uh, and, and real understanding, okay, these are the changes uh, the company actually has and probably got to have. <clears throat> yeah, it's, it's very, very interesting to, to hear how this crisis seems to, as you all both have described already, will, will, will have a lasting um, effect. And because we're coming slowly but surely to the end of this episode, I'd like to ask you once more, Samantha, what are the most important steps you'd say businesses can take right now, um, if they haven't done so yet, to prepare? Um, yeah, let, let's not look at the crisis anymore, but prepare f for the time transitioning from the crisis to the new normal, as we like to call it. One of the models, the change engine models that I really, um, I really appreciate because I feel it really encompasses everything we need to consider when we are initiating change, which as we're seeing, you know, the change is not over. I, I do believe that the crisis, we're kind of at the tail end, but as Roland mentioned, we are going to need to change the way we're doing things. We have an opportunity, even if the need is not there, we have an opportunity to change the way we're doing things, the way we're going to market, the way we're communicating, the tools and the systems we have in place. And a really interesting opportunity to carve out, if appropriate, a new or either bigger niche in our industry. And the model which I really love is the ADCAR model. It is a PROSI model, and it's an acronym. The first A is for awareness. It's about shedding light on what's not working anymore, what needs to change, and why, and being transparent with your organization, whether that's your employees or your customers, in sharing information that they need to know so that as we move to the next phase, which is D, is to build the desire. So that when you do announce a change is coming, that they can be excited because oftentimes change sparks this fear. And we don't want people to fear change, especially if the changes are the promise for a brighter future. But by default, a lot of people will feel really uncertain. So how do we consider 
their needs, going back to the soft skills. How do we understand what they need in their roles, what they need as individuals, what they need to support the members of their teams, of their customers, and get them excited for the change at hand? K is for knowledge. How can we empower them with the information necessary to move this change forward? Is it about putting knowledge articles in the customer community? Is it about providing training to your sales team, but empowering them with new skills that, or, or information that will allow them to really sustain the change? The second A is for action. What is expected of them, them being your customers, your employees, your partners, any of the key stakeholders? But what's really important here, and to Roland's earlier point, is looping management in. What can be expected from management? What are some of the actions that we're going to see from them to help us as the ones in the front line execute this change? And finally, R is for reinforcement. What plans will we have in place to create an open communication loop to consistently have the doors of communication open between our customers, between our employees, so that we're seeing whether or not our customer experience actually feeds into the greater vision and the plan that we had projected? Because it's a really slippery slope if we just assume it's working, but we want to make sure that we're hearing from them, we're getting the feedback, and we're adjusting as needed. So the ad car method, I think for anyone who's embarking change, on change rather, it is not too late. It is certainly helpful to have a method to guide you through this process. And that's one with, of course, the undercurrent being communication and having that strong every step of the way that I believe is really essential in, in enacting change. It's all about communication. We can't uh, say it often enough. Sam, I've got a question for you. I'm curious to understand that normally people uh, have a kind of rubber band behavior. So at the end, uh, you change for a while and then uh, maybe you fall back in your kind of old behavior. How do you prevent your clients from, let's say, falling back to old behavior like a rubber band? It's a good question, and I think it's one that is different for every organization. There's no cookie-cutter answer, but when you are mindful of what it is that you're trying to change and you have identified why it is that you want to change it, it really helps for people to see where they fit in the bigger piece of the puzzle and how their individual changes are for the greater good. And where I think a lot of organizations fall flat is that we are changing out of necessity. We're changing because our competitors are approaching us. We're changing because we're seeing a demand from our customers. And the conversation kind of falls flat there. And we're not doing a good enough job as leaders at articulating why this matters, why we need to get ahead of it, and ultimately why you as an individual should get on board. What's in it for you? And if we do a good enough job as leaders at articulating why it matters and what they stand to gain by maintaining and sustaining this change, we have a better chance at helping the change be sustainable as opposed to, as opposed to just falling back on old behavior because they recognize that there is something better that they are working towards. Albeit a little idealistic, I'll admit, uh, but Again, you know, coming back, not to sound like a broken record, but to communication, if we can really communicate the purpose of the change and we can communicate what they stand to gain, it becomes very clear what we all stand to lose if we don't stick in it together. 
So it sounds for me, uh, thanks, uh, Sam. So it sounds for me like it's a, a constant, I'm not saying fight, but uh, a constant uh, uh, challenge uh, for us as leaders, uh, making sure yeah, that we all, and, and, and we need to look uh, in the mirror for sure, that we, we, uh, that we don't fall back uh, in, the, in the old behavior. Yeah, so I think this Absolutely. is one of the major challenges we will face because we, I think we understand the challenges, what needs to be changed, what is on, and now we need to make sure, okay, we really change and sustain the change. Yeah, that's, that's it's going to be. Absolutely. And it is. Yeah, that's my understanding. Yeah. It is a infinity loop yeah. of, of change. And what this crisis has shown us is that we can be, blindsided and knocked off our rocker a bit, but ultimately change is happening all the time with or without our consent. And the more we recognize that it is inevitable, the more we can plan for it. And if we, going back to the ADCAR model, if we recognize that there is a system to help us navigate these changes and we recognize that we're on the break of something else changing and doesn't have to be a pandemic mm -hmm. um, or anything, you know, even quite nearly as severe, but anything that will impact our team, we go right back to A, go right back to awareness and saying, what do I need to communicate? Why are things changing? And why is it important for these key stakeholders in particularly, in particular rather, to understand? And we kick off the process again by building the desire, by empowering them with knowledge, by making sure the action plans are clear and by ultimately reinforcing the change. So for sure, it is it is a process, it is a loop, it, it, it is a continuum. And as leaders, it is our responsibility to stay ahead of it. Samantha, thank you so much for uh, giving us these these insights. And also, Roland, thank you, uh, insights into, into sales and how businesses are changing, will have to change um, after we're through this pandemic. That's really all we have time for today. If you want to learn more about this topic and our guests, check out the show notes where you can find relevant links. Also, if you enjoyed the conversation, once again, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you can receive notifications as new episodes of the Customer Corner series are released. Thanks for joining. We'll see you next time.